They say there are no two neighbors more diverse than Australia and Indonesia. Orang bilang tak ada dua tetangga yang punya perbedaan sebanyak Australia dan Indonesia. But we think more alike than you know. Tapi kami pikir ada lebih banyak kesamaan dari yang Anda tahu. Welcome to Oz Indo in 30. I'm Samantha Yap. Selamat datang di Oz Indo dalam 30. Saya Nurina Safitri. Our climate is rapidly changing and though we may feel our individual environmental footprints are insignificant, the choices we make in our day-to-day life collectively contribute to climate change. Iklim dunia berubah dengan cepat dan meski kita merasa jejak lingkungan yang kita buat kurang berdampak, pilihan yang kita buat dari hari ke hari secara kolektif berkontribusi terhadap perubahan iklim. One way we can attempt to reduce our carbon footprint is by living more sustainably. And this involves changing the way we get around, consume energy, and eat. Salah satu cara yang bisa kita upayakan untuk mengurangi jejak karbon adalah menerapkan gaya hidup berkelanjutan. Dan ini melibatkan perubahan cara hidup kita sehari-hari, termasuk dalam hal konsumsi energi dan pola makan. Environmental activists in Australia, Indonesia, and around the world are in a race to promote sustainable living as a means to combat climate change. Para aktivis lingkungan di Australia, Indonesia, dan seluruh dunia tengah berlomba-lomba untuk mengkampanyekan gaya hidup berkelanjutan untuk mengatasi perubahan iklim. In this episode, we will discuss how young people have been key engines of change in promoting environmentally sustainable living and how effective collaboration and innovation between Australia and Indonesia can make a big difference on climate change. Pada episode kali ini, kami akan berdiskusi tentang bagaimana peran kaum muda sebagai mesin utama perubahan dalam mengkampanyekan gaya hidup berkelanjutan dan seefektif apa kolaborasi serta inovasi antara Australia dan Indonesia bisa menciptakan perbedaan terhadap perubahan iklim. From Melbourne, I spoke with Stephanie Arrowsmith, who is a co-founder of Impact Hub Jakarta. Steph is an Australian who currently lives in Jakarta and is involved in a few initiatives that promote sustainable living. Steph, could you tell me a bit about what you do and how you ended up as the co-founder of The Hub Jakarta? So as co-founder of Impact Hub Jakarta, myself and my team, we basically run a innovation hub and co-working space. At this physical space, we bring together different entrepreneurs, freelancers, change makers, anyone working on projects where they want to collaborate. We also invite sectors, different sectors to be involved. So it also becomes a place of collaboration and dialogue among different sectors. Um, within the space, we run a couple of different activities, including incubation programs, mentorship, networking opportunities and all kinds of events. How I ended up here? That's a great question. Like most things, it was kind of accidental. My career started out very much in the um, aid and development sector. I am actually a public health and anthropology graduate from UWA and part of my studies I actually did at Universitas Gadjah Mada um, through HHS. And I loved public health because it brought together, it was creating solutions in a very holistic way. But what I found was I didn't really enjoy working in the public sector and I didn't enjoy working at an institutional level and cutting through bureaucracy. So I was really keen to work more one-on-one with leaders and with individuals and in helping them by giving them the tools that they needed to create their own solutions for change. So in wanting to work with entrepreneurs, I accidentally got introduced to 
an opportunity with startsomegood.com, which is a crowdfunding platform for social entrepreneurs and social impact projects. And basically through that, I was able to come back to Southeast Asia, come back to Indonesia and help support different entrepreneurs with their crowdfunding projects. Through that, I learned about the social enterprise ecosystem in Southeast Asia and how exciting a time it was to be focused on this area, um, this new type of business that focused not just on financial profitability, but also social and environmental impact, um, and became quite involved in, in the dialogue around how to support policy and best practice around incubation for new social ventures. I ran a conference last year called the ASEAN Conference on Social Entrepreneurship. We brought together 150 different players across sectors who are focusing on different areas, including agriculture, education, health, and basically got them to collaborate around solutions and own these solutions. That was really, really interesting. Through that network, I became exposed to these collaboration spaces and hubs that existed at a very local level. So all the way from Yangon to Manila, um, to Phnom Penh, Singapore, I came across these impact hubs and they were really inspiring for me. Um, they were able to connect grassroots entrepreneurs at a local level with this very global level of support. Um, and this network of impact hubs, there's over 95 around the world, um, all over Europe, Africa, US, Central and South America. So I became really inspired to bring this to Jakarta and ended up rallying a team of people together who were um, equally passionate about the role of innovation spaces and co-working to catalyze change at a local level. And it's been a long journey um, transitioning from working in, uh, I guess, an organization and becoming an entrepreneur and actually starting a business like this. And it's not a typical business, so it's often uh, challenging to communicate uh, what we do and what our value proposition is. But I have an amazing team. I'm so excited to be uh, back in Jakarta, uh, where I'm where I'm originally from, and to be able to be this bridge and this connection of support yeah. at a local and a global level. What are some of your goals as the co-founder of Impact Hub Jakarta? You know, what are your plans? So at this Impact Hub, we really do want to focus on youth. We want to see how we can empower youth to become effective entrepreneurs who tackle social and environmental challenges in Jakarta and more broadly Indonesia as well. We're working really closely with other incubation programs to support them. And we really want to focus on creating great early stage entrepreneurs. So those who are still creating new ideas and strengthening those ideas so that they can later on apply for further investment or further capacity building down the track. Some of the areas that we want to focus on, specifically in the context of Indonesia, are solutions around sustainable development, like agriculture, clean renewable energy, waste management, and basically touch on how young people can get involved in those things. Steph, you were saying that Jakarta is where you're originally from. Could you tell me a little bit about your cultural background and what makes you unique? I'm definitely one of those people who calls themselves a third culture kid. My mom is from Indonesia, my father is from England, and I went to an international school in Jakarta. So I was born and raised there up until 98, 99. And at that point, our family moved to Australia. We moved to Perth, and that became my, my second home. But all of my family on my mom's side are still here in Indonesia, and my parents are living in Australia. So I really feel like I've um, been able to bridge these two cultures 
in some ways. And I think what's really unique about doing Impact Hub right now and founding Impact Hub is I get to I get to translate um, across these cultures and across these sectors quite fluidly, having been exposed to both of those things. From Jakarta, I talked to Lia Zakia in a cafe shop. Lia is a communication specialist for the Indonesian President's Special Envoy for Climate Change. Hi, Lia. Hi. So, Lia, how did you end up at the President's Special Envoy for Climate Change? Uh, it was basically because of my master thesis was about climate change communication. And um, through that research, I met uh, some people, right people in the right time. So they, when they open um, um, a job offer, and then yeah, I apply, and then uh, I got in. Sounds like um, coincidental. Uh, I think I work my way. Okay. <laughs> I went to like the right conferences. I went to you know, I met people. I tried to. Uh, you know, uh, look for people that, you know, can contribute to my research and yeah, they know my work and uh, uh, I got the information when they opened that job application. Mm. Yeah. What is advocating for climate change very important to you? Because I believe uh, this is like the most important thing that needs to be addressed by, uh, by human today because it is affecting a human's life. So uh, a lot of people think that climate change is only affecting the environment, but it's not. It is actually uh, affecting a lot of sectors in uh, human lives, including economy uh, and health, and then uh, security, food security, and people uh, can get like civil unrest. So I want to be part in this because like I don't want to like regret myself later when you know everything is too bad, too late, and I I feel like I didn't do enough uh, to do about this. What was the trigger? I mean, I know like you've been involved in a lot of um, environmental activities, but what was the trigger that make you okay? I'm going to involve a lot in this field. Uh, it, it was actually since I was a kid. My mom and my community, when I grew up, they uh, always been like environmentally aware and like they you know they plant trees, recycle, etc. But they don't know about climate change. As I grew up and then actually when I was joining the Australia Indonesia Youth Exchange Program, I know some people over there in Australia and also when I was in Indonesia I met some Australians who are actually working on climate change and I and I was thinking, oh you can actually have a career in this um you know, in these areas. And then, well, I started by doing my master thesis related to that. I really enjoyed and the amount of like opportunities that what can be done, it is actually very exciting. In this episode, Stephanie talks about the importance of young people as drivers of change and how innovation can contribute to a more sustainable environment. While Leah, she will share some practical steps you can take to start living sustainably. And how can Australia and Indonesia can collaborate to promote sustainability? Stephanie, as an Australian who is currently living in Jakarta, what are some similar challenges on sustainability and the environment that are faced by both countries? 
Some of those key challenges I think both of, the, both of our countries face is, are around finding new technologies for clean and renewable energy. There's been some really interesting projects happening in some of the more remote islands of Indonesia, looking at how some of these islands can be completely powered on clean energy, because then they don't have to be reliant on, on these old sources and, and be more independent. I think food and agriculture is also another key area. It's a big contributor to the economy for both countries, but you know we, we do face these challenges around waste uh, of this food, food security in Indonesia and in Australia around food miles. How do we reduce and create efficiencies in that respect? So I'd like to see, yeah, some more sharing of solutions because these challenges are, are very similar and we are neighbors. Um, I do wonder how do we how do we best bridge that? You're in the you know entrepreneurship and the startup space. How do you suggest both countries help overcome these problems? I think there needs to be, I guess, a shared effort um, and resources dedicated to this, both financially and in terms of research and development. So, and this is where I, I see that perhaps co-working spaces and hubs can be part of this. So, in our respective countries, we can help support. Uh, local level innovators to create solutions and then see how these solutions, if they're they're effective, can be scaled to the other country, adapted and scaled. And if they're social businesses, these co-working spaces can facilitate the implementation at a local level, including legal setup, business development support, um, and getting policy level support from governments as well. Are you working on any projects at the moment that aims to encourage environmental sustainable living? I remember you were working on a project on making a more eco-friendly co-working space. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? One of our projects is, of, of course, to collaborate with other similar like-minded spaces and innovation hubs. And there's a couple here in Jakarta that focus on sustainable living and um, sustainable food. Um, some of those include, you might have heard of Burgreens. They're a great social enterprise restaurant um, providing vegan and vegetarian food. And they, su- they support local farmers, particularly women farmers as well. Um, and then there's another cafe and innovation hub called Beehive just around the corner from us as well. And we collaborate actively with them and run events together to raise awareness of environmental issues and sustainable living and provide real avenues for, for people to engage. One of the events that we ran a couple of weeks ago uh, here at, at Impact Hub was called Kamang Rooftop Market. And this rooftop market was really about showcasing some of the entrepreneurs and really cool solutions that are already out there. And these are products or they're different innovations, everything from upcycled waste materials to new technologies. And it invited basically the public to engage and interact to support these really cool enterprises, socially, environmentally conscious enterprises, and to inspire people that sustainability is something that's all important, but also can be really beautiful um, in, in its products and in its delivery. Another area that we're working on right now is we're developing fellowship programs with a couple of different organizations, WWF, World Wildlife Fund, and HIVOS, which is an international Dutch NGO. They really want to support new entrepreneurs who have solutions for, for issues around environment and sustainability. So basically, through these fellowships, we'll be able to fund and mentor and provide access to resources to selected enterprises, emerging enterprises, and have them work from our space at Impact Hub so that they can get that right um, support and social capital that they need to succeed. 
That sounds like there's a lot of exciting initiatives around encouraging more sustainable living. What's one that stands out for you the most and could you elaborate on it? To bring it all together, it does come down to a movement and a movement requires really effective collaboration. So I don't necessarily think there's one solution, but I do think that the solution needs to be cohesive and it will require collaboration from all players. And we're thankful that we're really... um, you know, we're really good friends with those, the people who have founded Beehive and Burgreens, and we collaborate really closely with them. And so we're able to reach a lot more people and have a consistent message. And that consistent message is able to deliver the right support and inspire people to go towards the right resources if they want to make changes in their lifestyle. I think the next step is being together and and collaborating actively gives us a big voice when we want to talk to government and influence policy. And that level of change, I think, is is really important. It's a bit more slower moving. And I think we can offer more relevant solutions that governments may not be thinking about because they're less, sometimes, less in touch with the people and with the needs that are on the ground. How beneficial are these hubs for making change happen? I might be biased. I think they're incredibly important. For me personally, when I was um, working with Start Some Good and I was traveling around Southeast Asia, I was delivering workshops in most of the major cities. And when I needed a way to reach, um, I guess, to understand the ecosystem better and to understand how I could uh, find the right people to support me and um, to find the right people that I could support, it really came down to finding these co-working spaces, especially in big cities like Jakarta. And you're trying to figure out, okay, I have this idea. I don't know where to go to find funding, to find the right networks, to find advice. It's extremely beneficial to have these, these hubs as these go-to places. It's, it's sometimes hard to know what value you're going to get out of it. But trust me, as soon as you step into one magic always happens and really it's the power of the people i think with the right community of people you can make any idea happen and it will uh, it will help you move in the right direction and stephanie what message about the environment and sustainable living would you like to send to people from various sectors who may not be in touch with this form of innovation For those who'd like to participate in this dialogue and get involved and um, make a difference in their own way, if you're not sure where to start, come out to these innovation hubs. Uh, We run a lot of events, you know, everything from movie screenings to these, these pitch events or incubations, hackathons that focus on how exactly this, how do you as an individual from whichever sector you're from become part of this movement and we can put you in touch with the right people to get that support. So I think it just starts with, with being curious. Why is it important for young people to take action? I think it's incredibly important for young people to take action because, you know, the future really affects us. If we want to protect that future, we need to be involved in pioneering what that looks like, designing the future that we want. And I think young people are best positioned to do that. We're not restricted by what, what might not be possible. And so our levels of creativity and innovation are unhindered. And sometimes, you know, when you get older, I'm feeling this myself, <laughs> you start to get a little bit more critical about what, what may or may not be possible. So I love working with young people. I think there's a lot of heart and enthusiasm and creativity. And what we can do in terms of turning that into tangible action is provide the right resources and support to make that happen and the right mentorship as well. 
So, Leah, a lot of people say Indonesia's environment is badly endangered, if that's the right word to explain. And as someone who's worked dealing with the field, can you tell us please what have we been missing in these past two years? Uh, yeah, I guess maybe like the most pressing environmental issues, maybe yeah, in Indonesia, uh, that people can see, obviously, I think first, uh, trash problem. As maybe you know, a lot of Australian tourists that come to uh, Indonesia, they see uh, trash in the beach or while they're uh, surfing or swimming and they found some uh, trash. Yes, it is still an issue, uh, but there are uh, a lot of efforts, uh, both from government or from non-government sectors, such as private sectors or communities or um, cities. Uh, and also other stakeholders. Uh, for example, uh, Bandung City, they ban styrofoam, uh, the use of styrofoam, and also some other cities is uh, trying to ban plastics. As I can say, that environment problem or um, climate change is an issue of behavior. So it is very crucial to uh, change the behavior of the people as well to be more sustainable and to be more low carbon in their activities so that you know, we can address the issues since from the root. So not only you know, the, the, the surface. The others, you know, we have like forest uh, issue relating to uh, land use change. So that um, you know, illegal loggings and um, uh, you know the uh, uh, transformation from natural forest into like plantations, we uh, we have also issues in that because it's not only causing environmental degradation but also like emit a lot of carbon dioxide and um, uh, greenhouse gases. So um, that's other. Uh, uh, issues as well. So I'm very curious, why is it important and urgent for young people to adopt a sustainable low-carbon lifestyle or behavior? Yeah, so there's uh, two coins. The first one is because the young people who will experience the worsening impact of climate change or environmental degradation in the future. So in, it is the same as saying that, you know, uh, if, if young people are taking actions towards you know, uh, climate change and environmental degradation, they are saving their own future. The other, coin is, uh, the other side of the coin is that um, the uh, transformation to low carbon uh, lifestyle or more environmentally uh, friendly lifestyle, a uh, very interesting um, a journey actually. So young people, you know, as we assume that they are more energetic, they are more um, challenged by, you know, getting more innovations. There are technologies that still needs to be developed or invented or applied in order to make this uh, lifestyle uh, change. For example, uh, we used to use coal as, you know, to light uh, our uh, lamps and and television, and then now we need to find a new way uh, to, to you know, to make that work. For example, by solar or by geothermal or by wind, by the other. And we need a lot of these bright young minds to invent these new technologies that uh, enable us to reduce our carbon emission and have a really good life. So tell us, what are some practical steps that we can take to change our lifestyle from today? We started to be aware of uh, our activities. I mean, climate change 
is a behavioral problem since we uh, uh, wake up until we sleep again uh, because it relates to with uh, the energy uh, that we use. I mean, we charge the phone, we use our mobile phone, and we go to work or we go to study uh, by car, and car emits uh, carbon, and we eat. Um, our choice of diet also um, um, influencing, you know, how much carbon we emit to the atmosphere. So it is actually, um, uh, I think, the first thing that uh, uh, I I would like uh, the young people now to to do is just to get all that information related to, you know, carbon footprint. So everyone has carbon footprint. And once, like, they aware that you know each of the activity that we do, even is eating, um, sleeping, where we where you sleep, you know, whether the lights is on or off, it's also you know related to that, and how we transport from point A to point B, or how we um, I don't know entertain ourselves, you know, whether it loves a lot of um, it emits a lot of energy or not, so. First is like get all the information, and then second is get loud. So like you know, spread it to people around you. Like you know, coffee talk. Uh, this is also interesting. We need to make this issue a a, a cool issue to talk in a coffee shop or a cafeteria. You know, and then um, you know, a lot of. Uh, um, social media post, for example, just to raise awareness. And then the third one is get active. From your first-hand experience in Australia, what can Indonesia learn from Australia? I learned a lot, actually. The first time when I came there, it was like 2008 for the Australia-Indonesia Youth Exchange Program. And people recycle. And people have like a lot of garbage bins <laughs> that those like non-existent <laughs> you know back in my uh, my city and so i was i was trained to you know um to throw the right garbage into the right bin that was really fun and people have like hybrid cars and like to take public transport and um, save water so I was told by my, uh, my, my family over there, Australian family, that I only have maximum three minutes to have a shower. <laughs> Usually in Indonesia, I shower like okay, I need to practice. <laughs> so, yeah, I learned a lot. And they, uh, uh, um, they, like, I also like, stayed in the rural area in Maxfield in New South Wales. And people there love to play in the nature, you know. They, um, I'm, I'm, I always grew up in, in cities and, you know, always live in cities. So that was really nice um, um, influence for me. How do you think Indonesia and Australia can collaborate to promote sustainability in both cities? Um, there actually a lot can be done because, like, we are neighbor. And, um, um, for example, uh, the young people, for example, can connect and then share you know, what's the innovation that, that has been done in their country or in, the, in their neighborhood, for example. And there are a lot of environmental organizations that exist in Australia and also in Indonesia. And these, um, you know, sharing best practice uh, thing, it can, like, trigger more initiatives, more actions to be taken to, um, uh, in the ground. And then also... There are a lot of opportunities for research, 
For example, young researchers from both universities in Indonesia and Australia can exchange ideas or make a program, for example, youth exchange in environment and sustainability. And in fact, actually in July, uh, I think uh, my office and several ministries from Indonesia will be going to uh, Australia to meet with uh, some stakeholders over there to you know, establish some relationship or like um, partnership in uh, research. Um, uh, about climate change and sustainability. We'd like to wrap up our discussion today with a cool slang word or fun fact from Australia and Indonesia. So Steph, what's a cool fun fact that you would like to share from Australia? I feel the longer I'm outside of Australia, the more of my Australianisms come out. Which yeah. is kind of funny, especially when I'm around Australians. But I've noticed some of my Indonesian friends and my, and my um, international friends they notice that I say hey a lot at the end of every sentence and they think I'm asking a question. But I've become so used to the Australian, like, um, you know, ending with a hey. What's an example of, like, the way you use it? Like, just, just anything, like, oh, it's pretty hot, hey. Oh, uh, like, yeah, I think I get hot, it. Hey. Yeah, you know, like, something like that. And I, I remember, I never used to notice it. And then it, when I moved to Indonesia, everyone was pointing out to me. They're like, Steph, you say hey a lot at the end of every sentence. And I was like, oh. Yes, I do. I guess I'm Australian too. Leah, tell us what's a cool fun fact or a slang word that you would like to share from Indonesia. The first one, <laughs> this is still too. The first one is about uh, a swimming ability. So, like Indonesia consists of seven, more than seventeen thousand islands, and so we have a lot of, you know, uh, sea. But like very few Indonesians. Uh, have the swimming ability. The second part is that we Indonesian don't waste any part of the um, um, the the animal when we are eating. So like we eat all of this uh, organs and intestine, which maybe like Australians don't want to touch it. Yeah, but we and then I can claim it as being sustainable because like we don't waste any um, any food. So we use all the parts, and it's the most delicious part. Thank you for listening to Oz Indo in 30. See you at our next episode. Terima kasih atas perhatian Anda untuk Oz Indo dalam 30. Sampai jumpa lagi di episode selanjutnya.